Welcome to the World Trade Center Utah podcast. This is Derek Miller, the president and CEO of the World Trade Center Utah. In this month's podcast, we are going to be talking about two important issues. In our first segment, we are going to talk with Nyland McBain, who leads a group called Better Days 2020. You'll be excited to hear about the work that she's doing to highlight some of the great things that have happened in the history of our state with regards to women's rights and gender equality. We're also going to talk about what Utah as a state and what we could be doing in our communities and businesses to do even better in this regard. And we're also going to talk with Paul Proctor. With Paul, we're going to focus on the Mexico trade mission that a group from Utah, along with Governor Herbert, recently led south of the border to both Mexico City and Tijuana. You'll be excited to hear about Paul's new company, Send Me, and the opportunities that they found in Mexico through the trade mission. Before we get to those segments, let me highlight two important upcoming events. The first is on June 6th. It is the Central Utah International Business Forum, and the location is going to be in Nephi at the National Vinyl Products. We'd invite you to find more information on the World Trade Center Utah website, but please remember on June 6th at noon, the Central Utah International Business Forum. The second event I want to highlight for you is on June the 8th. It's Salt Lake County Metro Solutions Small Business Forum. This forum is going to be held starting at 11 a.m. at Snowbird. And at this small business forum, there'll be a number of breakout sessions and different work groups that will focus on the challenges that small businesses face and how to overcome them. Let's get to our first segment. I'm joined here today with Nylan McBain. We're so grateful that she's agreed to join us on this month's podcast with the World Trade Center Utah. Nylan is leading up a tremendous effort in our state that is uh, not just looking back at the history, but also looking forward. I'm going to let her tell you about that. But, Nylan, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So you're leading an effort called Better Days 2020. Why don't we just start out with the obvious question, which is tell us about the organization, tell us about the effort and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, Better Days 2020 is a nonprofit that is drawing attention to and popularizing Utah women's history. And uh, we're doing this specifically with an eye towards the year 2020. And the reason that's our goal is because that year provides a really great uh, opportunity in the form of an anniversary. Uh, in 2020, it will be the 150th anniversary of Utah being the first place where a woman cast a ballot in the modern United States. And we think that that's worth celebrating. That event took place on February 14, 1870 in the Council Hall building in downtown Salt Lake City. And that was the first time that a woman cast a ballot legally in uh, what we know as the the United States today. And we think that that's worth celebrating. It's a tremendous story that Utah Utah has to tell uh, internally here within the state and also across the country. But it's also uh, another significant anniversary in the year 2020. It's the centennial of the 19th Amendment. So, the 19th Amendment granted women the right to vote across the country in, in federal elections. 
And uh, the centennial of that anniversary is already being commemorated and organized and celebrated across the country. And so it's going to be a really big year. And we think that Utah has the opportunity to lead out in that celebration and to put out a new narrative about what it means to be a woman in Utah today. It's really awesome that you're doing this, and especially the convergence of those two anniversaries in the year 2020. I'm going to guess that most people you talk to are surprised to find out that the first legal ballot vote cast from a female was in the state of Utah. Yes. So we uh, we want to make sure that we're clear about the fact that Wyoming's legislature first allowed women to vote, uh, but Utah Utah's legislature followed suit a month later, and then we had the first election. So we're celebrating okay. the the actual casting of a ballot, but that is a it is it's a very little known fact. Um, those who are interested in Utah history, and especially later 19th century Utah history, after sort of the arrival of the Mormon pioneers, um, the, they, the, it's known in textbooks and, well, in, you know, history, history aficionados and academics, but it's really not known in the public narrative. And that's, that's the goal for Better Days 2020. We want this history, we want the women involved in this history and the men who were really crucial in having Utah be a leader in women's advocacy in the 19th century. We want those to be household names by the end of 2020. And those are, they're not yet. Emmeline Wells, Martha Hughes Cannon, Sarah Kimball, Emily Richards, Franklin Richards. Those are, these were absolute heroes in the national struggle for women's rights and women's advocacy. And their names are not known here at home, not to mention throughout the rest of the country. So, we want to popularize that history and bring it to the public, and we're going to do that through three different ways. If I could just go on and kind of explain our yeah. our Tell tactics. Us about those um, so we're we're essentially creating culture, and so we've identified three ways that we are going to work um, to do that over the next couple of years. That's um, legislation, education, and art. So legislation, um, we've been working with the. Uh, Utah State Legislature for uh, a couple of years now. We were the the force behind the um, Martha Hughes Cannon campaign this past legislative session to send a statue of Martha Hughes Cannon in recognition of this 2020 anniversary uh, to the Statuary Hall in the U.S. Capitol building, and, and that's a very symbolic gesture. Uh, it's an it's a gesture that um, sort of indicates our belief that statues and public imagery, public iconography really have an impact on what we think about ourselves. They both define what we think about ourselves and they reflect what we think about ourselves, the images that we choose to put out in the public. And so we feel like that was a really important sort of branding element for Utah. And the goal now is to have us as a state and as a people sort of live up to the heritage that we've established for ourselves by putting Martha Hughes Cannon out there as our symbol. Um, also legislatively, we, we got a first-to-vote license plate passed this legislative session, so that's going to be an option in the DMV starting in October, which we're excited about. And um, and then also this year, we've been working on um, on our education arm. We've put out a fourth and seventh grade Utah Studies curriculum, Utah Women's History curriculum, um, in the Utah Studies courses for the fourth and seventh grades. And this is being piloted in the Jordan School District right now, and it's going to be rolling out 
uh, hopefully throughout the state by the end of the of the of the calendar year. And we have teacher trainings going on up at the University of Utah this summer. Uh, we have a lot of wonderful content that's been developed for that, and we're really excited to be rolling that out to the public um, in, a, in a few months here. It's really the first and only place where this story is being told comprehensively and um, sort of in a mainstream general way for a general audience. Like I said, it's we're getting it out of the PhD theses and the yeah. Um, academic speak and really presenting it. We've got wonderful um, illustrations of Utah women's advocates that we've commissioned. We're going to be putting trading cards in 3,000 classrooms thanks to a partnership with Gibbs Smith uh, that's going to talk about who these people are and what their story was and why they were such leaders uh, in the in the um, women's advocacy movement. So we're really excited about that and 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 um, and the art is is a part that's also um, got great momentum right now. As I mentioned, we've commissioned illustrations uh, that are absolutely delightful, and we're looking at um, public art projects to permanent um, permanent uh, sort of public artworks downtown Salt Lake City. Uh, we're looking at a digital uh, downtown experience for students and tourists who want to get a sense of the history and the wonderful places and locations that we have right here in Salt Lake that were really critical to the suffrage movement. So we're working on all that and it's it's a it's a sort of urgent timeline to get all of it in before this celebration. But uh we've made great strides already and great gained great momentum. So we're excited. As someone who loves history, especially for the fact that it how it helps to inform and guide our future Talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, obviously, you're you're looking at the past, but I'm I'm going to guess that you're looking at it and how we can teach it, and in all the different ways that you described, which sound terrific. What do you hope that the different audiences, the different people who learn these little known facts, and so that they become widely known facts, what do you hope that they'll take away from it and how should it inform our future yeah that's the that's the million dollar question isn't it because you're absolutely right i mean when you when you learn about where you come from um it gives you a different idea of of where you want to go and that's exactly the purpose of teaching this history in this way when we when we share the history of um utah women's advocacy in the 19th century we say that you know utah was the first place where women cast ballots is the third state to include uh, women's voting rights, uh, suffrage rights, and the state constitution. It was, you know, Emmeline Wells, our leading suffragist, was a dear friend of Susan B. Anthony. Woodrow Wilson, when he came and visited the state as president of the United States, there was one person he wanted to meet in the state of Utah when he came, and that was Emmeline Wells because she was that famous. And when we tell people those things, um, they, you know, a lot of times they say, "What happened?" You know, and that that that's the question. What what happened? And and we certainly can explain it from an academic point of view, the sort of pendulum swing and the political atmosphere in the 20th century. But we are we are interested in illuminating that history so that in the 21st century today, uh, we can we can do a better job of honoring that legacy. And we believe that history, when you look at the history of Utah and you look at what um, the state was founded on in regards to to women, it gives us a, a precedent that essentially gives us permission to do the same thing today. And that's why we're looking at this history. We feel like the precedent gives us permission 
to be women's advocates again today and to say it's important to us that we uh, take on some of the issues of the day with regard to um, women's, um, you know, safety, women's opportunity, women's pay, uh, women's rights in the workplace, all of those things which are the equivalent issues today are, are we have we have this wonderful precedent that says to be a Utah means that those things are important to you because that was the foundation of our statehood. That was what our earliest legislators and leaders felt was important. And so we're encouraging people to, to pick up that, that thread of history and to uh, do a better job of honoring that legacy today. Well, thank you for doing that, and thank you for your efforts. I love that message, and and I when, the first time I heard about the Better Days 2020, I thought what a terrific initiative, not just to hear about and to learn about, but to get involved in. So why don't you tell our listeners as our last question and answer, for those that have had their interest peaked, how can they get involved? Yes, we are, um, well, first of all, betterdays2020.org is our website. We would love to have people learn more about our projects, learn about the wonderful um, board that we've put together, and learn about the partnerships that we've created throughout the state. We're encouraging organizations throughout the state to, to use their own means to celebrate this anniversary in 2020. Um, of course, all of these projects take money, and we are doing major fundraising efforts. Um, we have fundraising opportunities on our on our website. There's a contact page. Uh, we also have fundraising events, um, and so we'd love for people to sign up for our newsletter to to be kept up to date on those events. We have some really big, high profile events coming up soon that we're very excited about. So, we would love for um, companies, especially, to consider corporate donations and sponsorships of our of our projects. Um, you know the permanent walking, uh, the permanent ex- this exhibit or or sort of an installation downtown is something that we're specifically raising money for right now, as well as the digital downtown experience. So, um, if there are you know people who are interested in getting their companies involved with us, we would love it. That was BetterDays2020.org. Nyland, thanks for what you're doing. For all of our listeners who are interested in learning more and getting involved and contributing to this in time and talents and funding, betterdays2020.org. Nyland, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. As our guest on the World Trade Center Utah podcast, we've got Paul Proctor from SendMe. Paul was one of a number of businesses that recently joined on the governor-led trade mission to Mexico. And, Paul, thanks for being on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Derek. Why don't we start with just the sort of a basic question. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I I actually know you, so you don't need to tell me, but tell our listeners about yourself and about SendMe. Sure. Well, uh, I'm a three-time entrepreneur now. Um, I started a business that was a crowdsourcing platform for independent film content. Um, From there, I did a business that was a a mobile application that was basically an Uber for massage therapists and for recipients of massages. 
and uh, and then most recently I got involved in um, SendMe, and SendMe is uh, what we call cross-border payroll, and uh, and and basically what it is is where a foreign national working in the United States can elect to receive a portion of their income to a transfer savings plan is what we call it. And that plan is uh, is basically a virtual account contained in your mobile phone, and you can take those funds at any time throughout the day, 24/7, 365 days a year, to send funds to um, uh, in the payroll process to Mexico. And speaking of Mexico, we just got back a couple of weeks ago. Tell me how you first learned about the governor's trade mission to Mexico. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as is the startup way, we've spent a lot of time trying to learn from our customers about what their needs and wants are as it relates to uh, moving funds to their loved ones in Mexico. And we have uh, had a great relationship with the Mexican consulate here in Salt Lake City and had done many interviews and uh, product tests there at the Mexican consulate. Um, Consul Borjon, who is the Mexican consul here in Salt Lake City, came to us and actually said that he was looking to do something really impactful on the upcoming trade mission with the governor. And uh, he suggested that we look at trying to fill technology jobs in Utah with engineers in, in Mexico. And uh, that's something that we've had a little bit of experience with, and, and uh, we thought it would be a great idea to to go to Mexico and, and talk to some of the universities about that type of an initiative, and, uh, and so that's how we got involved. And we did have a great event with the university. I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but before I do, why it was Mexico a market that you were interested in for your company? Absolutely. So we're, we're most interested in, in Mexico for a number of reasons, but uh, probably key among them is that the the largest corridor in the world for what are called remittances, or in other words, money transfers from people living in a country other than their country of birth to their home country um, is between the U.S. and Mexico. It's $28 billion a year. And uh, and so there's a huge opportunity to, in, in our minds, to reduce the fees uh, on those money transfers by including or keeping those fees in the payroll process. Uh, and our, our service reduces the fees by um, uh, more than half of the actual cost or average cost of other providers. Um, so building a relationship with Mexico and understanding the Mexican market is extremely important to us. Not all, all of our listeners are familiar with the uh, trade missions that the state takes not just to Mexico, but in different places around the world. We were recently in China, uh, recently in Vietnam, in Singapore, in Israel, in Western Europe, uh, really uh, not many markets that we're not covering. Uh, if you, if someone was to ask you, Paul, what's the benefit of going on a trade mission now that you've been on one, what would you tell them? Well, you know, I think it's it's important to understand the cultural differences between business in the United States and business in other countries, and uh, and specifically as it relates to our trip to Mexico, and I would imagine this is, this is relevant throughout the world, um, understanding those nuances and having people that have, have spent time in those countries, um, it, it, 
many of the people that were on the trade mission that we attended to Mexico recently have spent a lot of time in Mexico and made incredible introductions. Um, in Mexico, you ha you get credibility when you get a good introduction. Business is done based on relationship, and and uh, and if you if you come in cold to a relationship, your credibility is incredibly low. Uh, and so you take the time that it takes to to build those relationships, but a, but a trade mission accelerates that process. Um, I, I can't speak to the rest of the world, but for us, that was one of the more valuable pieces of the trade mission is that those introductions accelerate the the ability to do business. I like the word that you use there to accelerate because you're you're right. Uh, you could certainly go to these markets on your own, um, but to have it uh, to accomplish everything that we did accomplish in a week in Mexico or any of these other countries where we do trade missions, I think would not be possible if, if you weren't there as a group, if you weren't there uh, with all the groundwork laid before. And also I would add if you, if you weren't there with the governor, because having the governor as you've experienced, uh, it opens a lot of doors that otherwise would be closed. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. In fact, uh, I was really impressed with the, the governor's leadership and his, his ability to uh, to get people interested in Utah business and and certainly for the benefit of all the attendees. So one of the things that we do in in addition to making the individual business to business connections, another thing that we do on a trade mission is we do company site visits. Was there one on the Mexico trade mission that was uh, most interesting or informative to you? Certainly, and 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 uh, and I have to kind of give the preface that. It, I view it from the lens of my business, but uh, but we, having mentioned that we wanted to create this, uh, we'll call it a highway between the Mexico and the U.S. to fill uh, Utah tech jobs, uh, we had a visit to UABC, which is, I guess, translated the Autonomous University of Baja California. It's in Tijuana, and. Yeah. Um, and one of the one of the things that we got to do while we were in the site visit was we went to visit all the technology students and um there were there was a group of technology students that had created a virtual reality environment that was basically patterned after what they would imagine the ancient as aztec um empire to be like they they had it down to you know the ancient pyramids the plants the 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 types of animals that you might see um, and it was fascinating, and, and you know, being kind of a technophile myself, I I saw that as just a, a brilliant manifestation of how technology and throughout the world is growing. And I mean, virtual reality is kind of on the the bleeding edge of of where uh, where technology wants to take us over the next 20 years or so. And um, it was really exciting to have that visit, and, and certainly having conversations with those students. The expectation is that uh, they might be able to participate in this program that we're we're building out to to bring in Mexican engineers to fill uh, Utah tech jobs via a TN visa. It's a really interesting project that you're working on, and I I have to agree with you. I think going to the university was my favorite site visit as well. Uh, in addition to seeing all of the cool projects that the students were working on, just on a on a personal level. Uh, I really loved the fact that all of those students, number one, they they had really dressed up uh, for it. You know, all of the female students were wearing dresses. All of the 
uh, male students were wearing suits and ties, you'll remember. And, of course, they gave us their presentations in English, and I just imagine that they'd been practicing that in, their English presentations the night before. It was actually quite endearing to, to have them welcome us so warmly and graciously. It was really a cool part of it. It really was. In fact, uh, I felt a little underdressed. I'm a technology guy, and so I'm used to <laughs> jeans and a sweatshirt, and they were outdressing me. <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. So uh, you've talked a little bit about this already, Paul, but let me just give you another opportunity if there's anything else you'd like to share about how the, attending the trade mission to Mexico had a positive impact on what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. There were a number of relationships that we made that I don't think we would have made otherwise. Um, I met a gentleman who's the CEO of the Utah Manufacturers Association that has a lot of opportunities uh, for us to help them both with importing engineers and uh, and in assisting those engineers or, or their current uh, staff to send money home to their to their loved ones. Um, I also had a chance to meet the CFO of Magleby Construction, who um, they did. $100 million in business last year and have a number of Mexican foreign nationals working for them that will be potential clients for us. Um, but I think the, the most impactful part of the trade mission for us was um, actually building out and making announcements around this, this uh, TN visa program. The TN visa program for engineers in Mexico uh, allows them to get a temporary visa to come to work in the United States for two years. Um, and they can get these visas in a couple of weeks. Um, so in Utah, where we have two to 3,000 unfilled tech jobs, being able to import some great talent from Mexico is a great way for us to, to, um, to both fill those jobs but also to continue to develop the, the important relationship that we have between the U.S. and Mexico. Paul, you made a really important point that I want to underscore, and I hear it. Every time I help organize and lead a trade mission, and that is the benefit of the trade mission participants from Utah meeting and getting to know each other. It's interest, always been interesting to me that sometimes you have to go thousands of miles away in order to meet people <laughs> who are just a few miles away from you in Utah. But whether it was uh, Magleby Construction, which is a Utah uh, company or doing business in Mexico or, or whether it's the Utah Manufacturers Association, which is just in downtown Salt Lake City, uh, that is sort of one of the uh, unquantifiable benefits, and it's getting to know people. And I, I, as I said, I've heard that from everyone. We're grateful, Paul, that you took the time out of your busy schedule to go on the trade mission. We're grateful that you would take the time out of your busy schedule to join us on this podcast. We encourage everyone who's interested in upcoming trade missions. We're, we will be headed to Taiwan and South Korea in the fall. We will be headed to the Farnborough uh, Air Show in London this summer. Uh, there's always a lot going on at the World Trade Center. To find out more, you can visit us online at wtcutah.com. Paul, thanks again for joining us. Derek, pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Don't forget to follow WTC Utah on social media. Again, that's at WTC Utah. And also, don't forget to tune into next month's podcast. Thanks.